And then we want to pray for open doors for one another, for opportunities to minister. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul asks for prayer, right? And then he talks about, I mean, he talks about how he's praying. Look at this, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's how we pray. So, so while you pr- pray for me, verse 19, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we ought to be, right, pleading in prayer, uh, right? We ought to be persevering in prayer for all saints. And while we're praying for them, we should ask the Lord to make them fruitful. Paul's saying, pray for me for open doors and for the ability to, to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to say what's right the right way. And, and so he asked for prayer for that. And so you know, you're not gonna get all of the opportunities that you're supposed to have in evangelism and leading people to Christ, but what God's people are praying for you. First Timothy chapter two. We find out in the first eight verses that all kinds of prayer, God commands all kinds of prayer be made for all kinds of men, why? Because God is willing that all men would be what? So God wants them to be saved, but we have to pray. I mean, he just, he tells us to do that. You have not because you ask not. Okay, so we gotta pray for people because God wants them in Christ. So part of praying for people is praying for open doors for believers. And so let's, let's look at that. We're, our, our last season of prayer is gonna be all about just asking the Lord for, for souls, for people, uh, for their salvation, uh, for brothers and sisters to have the opportunity to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we wanna pray for one another to have those open doors and then the boldness to just proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ simply, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. I want to talk about this order and process of prayer. The order and process of prayer. The way most people view prayer, the way they look at how prayer works, uh, there's a there's a, there's a logic chain that works something like this. I recognize something's wrong in my life, step number one. I recognize something's wrong in my life or, or I have some need in my life or there's some problem that's, that's, that's I can't handle or, or there's some difficulty that I don't know how to get around. Okay, why is it that we have to stick our foot in it first before we pray? You know, why do, we have to, why do we have to hit the proverbial brick wall before we'll think to pray? Why do so many of us pray only after, right, uh, we, 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 we find a problem that we can't deal with? You'll notice this on TV, you know, I mean, uh, um, some kid gets shot, killed uh, with some, some senseless violence and, and there'll be a prayer visual, you know, they'll pray for, They'll, they'll, they'll have a prayer vigil to, to stop the violence in our city. And then when the cameras show up, they're screaming at the cameras, <laughs> uh, you know, instead of calling on the Lord. And so my, my burden is that God would move us to prayer today before the evil day, 
to move us to prayer today to ask him for the promises of his word, right? We wanna be proactive, not reactive in prayer. Is this making sense? Okay, so, but the typical logic chain works like I've got something I can't handle, so I'll pray a little bit about it, or even a lot if I really want it, if I really want help or I really want to get out of this jam. And then we think if God decides to listen to me, well then I might get what I want. And that is the stereotypical prayer cycle of the average typical believer in the Western church. And so I just wanna tell you that is upside down thinking. We need to understand how God works in prayer. And so I wanna give you, there's, there's many examples of this formula, this biblical progression of prayer. Uh, we'll, we'll, Lord willing, we'll have time to look at least two of them tonight. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, we see the promise. Jesus told the disciples, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, you will receive power and you will lay down your life testifying of me. That's what he tells them. So notice the Lord has a future plan, but it's revealed in the promise of his word. Okay, so there's something that God wants for them. They don't have it yet. At the speaking of Acts chapter one, verse eight, have they been endued with power from on high yet? That has not happened. Nobody's indwelt by the Holy Spirit yet. Is everybody with me? They they do not yet have the reality of God's word in their life. So he has this future plan and he reveals the promise of it in his word. See, God doesn't leave his children guessing as to what we need. The things that we need, the things that that God needs to move over, move on in our life, uh, those things are clearly seen in his word. We don't have to guess what we're supposed to be praying. He tells us what his plans are for us. He tells us what he wants to give us, how he wants to use us. His word is very clear and he gives the full promise of his word over those things. He doesn't leave us guessing. You can see God's will over your life in his word. So these guys hear the word, they get the word of God. We will be endued with power. We will lay our lives down testifying of Jesus Christ. So what do they do? Do Do they start a street preaching ministry? Is that the next thing that they do? Do they, uh, they, they print off a bunch of tracks? Start an evangelism team? I mean, Jesus said, from Jerusalem to the uttermost, this is what you're gonna do. What do they do next? What's the very next thing you see them doing? They go back to Jerusalem and what? Look at verse 14. They pray, that's the next thing they do. They go home and pray. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. So get this, okay, this is critical. God's people are always, right, they're always to respond to God's promises in prayer. Once I know the will of God over my life, what's my first response? What's my first step, my first act of obedience? It's It's to return that as a request to the Lord in prayer. 
You see, for them to just sit idly by because God made a promise, well, God promised it so it's gonna happen, <coughs> then that would have been a misunderstanding of God's intentions for the church. Remember what Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 19, verse 46. He said, saying unto them, it is written, my house is the house of prayer. And most Christians never see God's intended potential over their life because they don't understand this principle. God's promises for you overflow in his word. God writes so much about you, to you, for you in his word. But they only overflow in your life as you claim them, right, as you wait on the Lord over them in prayer. And people will say to me, pastor, your preaching works. This is gonna take away from God's glory because you're claiming the work of prayer is the only way to see the work of God. Can I just say that that's faulty thinking? I don't wanna say that's stupid. I don't wanna call names, but, but who, made, who made the promises in God's word? Who made those promises? God. You can say Jesus if you didn't know the answer. It's still good. Who made the plan for prayer? Who was the one that designed his people to pray? Well, that was God. And who's the only person that can answer prayer? Oh yeah, that's God. So when you don't ask for the Lord to fulfill his word over your life, you're actually detracting from the glory of God in your life. And so look at the application. Okay, so they, in Acts chapter two, they were endued with power. They did lay down their life witnessing. In Acts chapter three, there's a great miracle, which is followed by great threatenings in Acts chapter four. And so how do they respond? The Lord told them that they would be endued with power and they'd be a witness to him. They'd lay down their lives testifying the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem to the uttermost. Well, Jerusalem was telling them, you're gonna shut that up right now or we're gonna beat you bloody. You're gonna stop. You're not gonna be preaching in this man's name. And so what's their response? Civil authority is saying we can't do what Jesus told us to do. Well, look at Acts chapter four, verse, I mean, in verses 23 through 30, they pray. That's what they're doing. And they explain the situation to the Lord, right? Verse 26, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Like, you know, like the Lord didn't already know that history. But anyway, they're just making sure he knows they know it. And so, so, uh, so here's their plea, verse 29. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal that, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Man, I mean, don't you ever, don't you sometimes get the sense that the world doesn't want us talking about Jesus, talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ? You ever get that feeling? Like, like even the people that are polite the whole time, they're thinking, just chill it with the Jesus stuff. Uh, the, the world would love us to shut up and not say anything, right? And there are places in the world where people are being beaten for their faith, for their testimony uh, uh, over the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christodos is seeing that regularly in India. And he ministers to, to the persecuted church there. Uh, the world tells us to sit down and shut up. 
So what do we do? Well, we pray for an open door. So here it is again, Ephesians 6, 18. We pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We already know that, I mean, the Bible's very clear on this, that God's willing that all would be saved. You don't wanna take a, a Calvinistic perspective on this, okay? Um, we, wanna, we wanna take a biblical perspective on this. God's word is very clear. He's willing that all be saved. These are comprehensive words. He's not willing that any, right, perish. God so loves who? The world. That's why he gave Jesus to be our sacrifice and propitiation. Uh, God is not willing that any would perish. He's willing that all would be born again. Well, if that's what he wills, then why isn't everybody you know on this planet born again and saved? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter two, is you can't get more clear than that. Paul wrote 1 Timothy to Timothy. The key to that book is found in chapter three. It was so that he would know how to pastor the church, and he instructs the pastor of the church to lead the to lead the church in all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men because God's willing that all of them would be saved. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Did you hear that through my, I'm still re recovering from Africa. It takes months uh, to get Africa out of my lungs and my sinuses, but, but there it is. Okay, so why isn't, I mean, God, if it's God's will that everybody be saved, why isn't everybody saved? We don't pray right. We don't plead for souls in prayer. There will be people that will miss hearing the gospel because nobody prayed for them. I mean, think about it. There are people all over the history of the church age that never heard the name of Jesus and they died that way. They don't even know who he is and they died. Why is that? God wasn't willing that they perish. With all my heart, I believe if, if believers got fervent in prayer over a person, over a people, over a people group, there would be a door of utterance opened up to them. Why? Well, because that's God's will. We have his word on that. The world tells us to sit down. What we do is we just pray for power. We pray for an open door. We pray for boldness to preach the gospel as we ought to preach it. We pray and then God makes a way. So look at verse 31, Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness, just like Jesus said they would in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Now they're continuing that yet again. They hit a roadblock, they hit a man-made dead end and then God just blows it up with a spiritual earthquake. So they're now preaching the word of God with boldness and then we find out as you keep going in Acts that a great number of disciples are added to the church. Man. Oh, that by faith we'd call on God today. We'd call on him tonight that God would shake this place, that we as his people would be filled with his spirit and preach the word of God with boldness. That we might boldly glorify God in our city. That's God's plan, that's God's desire. Well, you have not because you ask not. 
Is this making sense? Okay, so that's the biblical pro- progression. God makes a promise. We don't just twiddle our thumbs like, well, if God said it, he's gotta handle it, he's a big boy, he'll take care of it. No, 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 when you know what the word of God says over your life, if you don't see the reality of it, well then you wait on the Lord in prayer over it until you see the promise of his word made reality in your life. Is everybody with me on that? You say, I think I've heard you mention this before. Um, This isn't the first time you've been in Acts chapter four. I'm telling you this principle is all over your Bible. Look in Genesis. I think we got time. Look in Genesis chapter 15. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Here's the word of the Lord. God says to Abraham, he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they, the land that they're strangers in, that people, they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Well, Israel was in Egypt for 430 years. Uh, 400 of that, they were afflicted. In Genesis 50, verse 24, Joseph says to his, his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you up, right? Bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So there it is again. God's word, Joseph is telling them the word of the Lord. The Lord will visit you. He will carry you up out of this place. Don't forget my bones, okay? So they've got the promise of God. What was Israel's response? Well, look at Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And here it is. Now, we already got God's word. 400 years of suffering, 400 years of affliction, God's gonna bring them out. That's his promise to his people. What causes him to respond, right, and, 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 and bring to fruition the reality of his word over the life of his people? Look at what the Bible says in Exodus chapter two. God heard their groaning and remembered his promises, right? Remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and had respect unto them. And he sent them Moses. Do you see how that works? Do you see what happened? God told them up front, 400 years of affliction. But what does God respond to to bring the 400 years of affliction to an end? God's people were crying out to him. They cried and their cry came up into God by reason of the bondage and God heard their cries. He heard their prayers. He remembered his promises and he had respect unto them. 
Man, there it is again, it's powerful. I mean, he, he leads them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, the Red Sea deliverance. Man, God made a way where there was, there, there was no way. They were trapped, they were doomed to be slaughtered by Pharaoh's army. Man, God made a way where there was no way. He opened a door for them. Romans chapter 15 and verse four says that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You can see in your life, you, everybody knows that one person that is never gonna be willing naturally in the natural course or natural order of things according to the natural course or order of their own heart. They're not gonna sit and listen and really endeavor to understand the preaching of the gospel. Uh, they're, not, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna submit themselves to you in that way. Oh, tell me more, you know, I really have a, problem with the gospel and here's why and help me overcome my objectives like that's that's you know people that are not why they're diametrically opposite diametrically opposed to that that type of conversation regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ they want nothing to do with it I mean it's a Red Sea moment there is just no way to break through uh, to life and and um, you know in the natural course and order of things that's true it is hopeless Man, God is not willing that they would perish. God is willing that they'd be saved. And God is a hard man to ignore when he's trying to get your attention. He's really tough to ignore. So we know how the Bible instructs us, right? We can pray that the enemy would be bound, that the God of this world couldn't get away with blinding their hearts and minds anymore. We could ask that the Lord would pour out his spirit open a door of utterance and allow the convicting work of the gospel to, to be brought to bear in his heart and life. We could trust the Lord for all of that. These are all things that are, in, that are, that are just in, in stone. They're, they're promised to us in his word. Now, people have a free will. Uh, you know, for me, I'm satisfied. If somebody's determined to go into a Christless eternity, God loves and respects them enough. He's not gonna force them contrary to their will. You know, if they're going to steadfastly cling to rebellion against God, uh, they, get, they get to choose that. I just don't want anybody doing that blindly, right? Like we want people to trip over us on their way to hell. And if, and if they do that, well then we'll have some peace because uh, we, man, we were faithful with the gospel and, and we had that opportunity and we could clearly communicate the good news to this person in a way that they could understand it under the conviction, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Man, praise the Lord, that's all we can ask for. Again, uh, Chung Anderson was part of our evangelism outreach in the early days of, of, of our start here and, and, and I've heard him say this countless times over the years. Uh, he was such an encouragement uh, to all of us in evangelism. He says, you know, successful evangelism a successful witness is just telling the good news, giving the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then leaving the results up to God. That's between them and the Lord. Man, praise the Lord. That's all we can ask for. And we'll have peace if that's how God is using us. And so, man, brothers and sisters, we know what the word says. 
when we pray, this place shakes, right? God's people are filled with the Holy Ghost and we speak the word of God with boldness. God can make a way even to the hardest heart. He can make a way to, to through and, and to even the most closed off mind. If God makes a way, then why don't we trust him for it? I mean, if we've got his promises, then faith says pray. I mean, you see it, you see it again in Daniel. Daniel had some promises and he couldn't figure the thing out. He started praying. Uh, it took three weeks to get an answer. But God's position was at the beginning of thy supplications, the command came forth and I am come to show thee for thou art greatly beloved. And don't you know God loves you? Aren't you also greatly beloved of the Lord? Can we not ask and receive? Can we not call on the Lord? and trust him for the promises of his word to be made reality in our ministry. How many say, man, I've got people that I know that are lost and except there's a miracle, they're gonna keep ignoring their sin. They're gonna keep ignoring the Lord Jesus Christ. They're gonna keep ignoring the gospel. And I'm desperate that they don't spend eternity separate from the Lord. I'm desperate that they'd be that their, that their eyes would be opened, that they'd be convicted over their sin and that they'd be saved. How many know of at least one person like that? Well, can we just spend some time laboring in prayer for the lost and to do it in faith? He's, every lost person that we know, God wants them to be saved. And every lost person that we know, there is a way for God to open a door for us to, give them, to truly give them the gospel where they're hearing it where we can give it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not picky though. Uh, if, if, if it's not us that he wants to use, he can send another believer just so they hear it. Just so, they're say, just so that someone's praying for them so that they can't just stumble blindly, cluelessly into a Christless eternity. Uh, man, I want people to trip over my prayers <laughs> on their way to hell. Is this making sense brothers and sisters? Man, let's have a season of prayer. Let's call on the Lord for what only he can do. Open doors, empower us, embolden us, enwise us, is that a word? <laughs> enwise, <laughs> to, to, to make us wise, to, to help us to speak as we ought to speak the terms of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.